Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. It is indeed time for parenting once again. Joanna Fortune uh, joins us once again. And Joanna's new book, Why We Play, How to Find Joy and Meaning in Everyday Life, has just been published. This is a book for grown-ups, isn't it? It is. It's a book for grown-ups about grown-ups. And today is publication day. Every time I say that, I feel like I'm in, you know, frozen saying it's coronation day or something at the top of my voice. (laughs) Like it's publication day. But it is. It's about the importance of play in adult lives. So this one isn't particular to parents or parenting, but how we all need a more playful state of mind for our own mental health and well-being but also within our relationships and I don't just mean intimate partner relationships Mm. but all of the relationships we have and also within our work lives and how it will actually not be considered dossing off to take a play break but something that enhances productivity because a more curious creative mind is a more productive mind and that's what play fuels. Yes, uh, but, but what do you mean by play though? Because like men could say I, we play golf. Is that play? It is. It's a type of play. That tends to be what we'd call other directed play. So you've got other people and you're out there and it's very structured. And I think, you know, when people go, oh gosh, she wants us all playing. I really do think people are going, she wants us all to be children's TV presenters all of a sudden with, you know, the <laughs> funky the hair. And the, exactly. And I mean, if that's you, go for it. But that's not what I'm talking about. Like there are this in this book, I'm talking you through things that you can do very kind of low maintenance maintenance discreetly yourself solo play desk play like and I'm only showing you things that I would do myself and knowing your play personality is a big part of this so I know I would lean into more whimsical play I like silliness I like you know sort of spontaneously drawing out a hopscotch board and doing a bit of hopscotch and a bit of playfulness that way and deciding today's the day I'm going to crack hula hooping Mm. Um, that kind of thing but if that's not for you others amongst us lean into intellectual play like you know, people devoted to Wordle and Sudoku. Like, yeah. That's playfulness. Yeah. So it really, we have to challenge that concept that play is action man meets Barbie doll or a box of toys somewhere. It is about that state of mind. And I think we all leaned into playfulness a bit more during the pandemic because we had to. We were called upon so abruptly to adapt and be flexible, new work, ways of working, new ways of living, new ways of socialising and a playful person will adapt quicker because play fuels flexibility and adaptability. Okay, so but, but that would include playing video games, which now isn't seen as a kind of weird nerdy thing anymore. Especially if you're doing that connecting with another, if mm. there's a connection, because play is a relational experience fundamentally. It fuels connection and that's why it's going to strengthen our relationships as well. So peppered throughout the book, I've got these mini play breaks and it is about trying things out and going, you know, that one wasn't for me, but I could do this and finding your play break that best suits you and building that in as a daily practice in your day. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, put down your hula hoop. You have a few questions now <laughs> yeah. uh, for the kiddies. Uh, now, uh, my son shows no responsibility for anything and is acting very lazy. He regularly loses things in school, like his pencil case or his calculator. He has his chores around the house, empty the dishwasher every morning, prepare his lunch for school, walk the dog, but he needs constant badgering to get them done. He's 13 and while he's generally well behaved... He's just got a bad attitude at the moment whereby he doesn't seem to understand that he can't have everything done for him. To put it simply, he's lazy. 
Maybe I mollycoddled him when he was a little younger, but surely it's time for him to start standing on his own two feet. I mean, I think there are parents of 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds up and down the country going, yes, mine too, mine yeah, too. absolutely. Because this yeah. is actually, and I don't say that to minimise it, but this is developmentally normal. What's happening here, and we've talked about the five adjustments of adolescence, one of which is conflict. And there are two ways. Some of us, some of our kids engage in conflict in the very overt slamming doors, swearing, shouting, huffing mm. and puffing at us. Other kids engage in conflict in what we'd call passive, and I would call it the art of delay. And it is an art. I'll do it in a minute. Yeah. I'll do it in a minute. Yeah, I'll get to that. Do it in a minute. Grunting at you and it won't get done. So what he's doing isn't as interesting to me as what his parent might be doing in response to his behaviour. So when you say he's always losing things like pencil case calculator, I want to know what happens then. Do you replace the calculator and the pencil case? Do you go find it for him? Do you locate it in his bedroom when he's gotten to school without it and deliver it to him? Because if you do, you're actually sabotaging the opportunity for him to learn to better manage that and develop organisation skills by fixing it. Yeah, and yeah. You're, you're resenting it, but you might be fixing it. And I'm coming to. <laughs> Sorry, you just gave me a flashback of an exam. Well, I had to drive in, you know. But that's like if you get the text going. Oh, I forgot this. Yeah. And I didn't bring that. Maybe it's about that's too bad. You're going to have to deal with that today. Mm. And think about that for what you do the next time. Because if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Why would he take more responsibility unless yeah. it's put to him? And I think as well when it comes to this and I'm picking up on, you know, maybe I molly coddled him when he was younger, but now it's time for him to stand on his own two feet. He's not going to high five you and say, Eureka, I got it. Yeah. Today's the day I'm going to do it all myself if he is used to you doing it for him. So maybe use paradox. And instead of blaming him, or having a go at him about his behaviour, bring it back to you and say, I've messed up. I think I've overparented you. I've done way too much for you. That's on me. I apologise. I'm going to do a lot less and I'm going to let you take responsibility now. Mm -hmm. And you do a mea culpa piece on it and take responsibility and then practice what you preach. Do it. Yeah. Even if it means sitting on your hands and slightly rocking back and <laughs> forth while you bite your lip and say, do not jump in, do not jump in, do not say anything. Now, there are the chores piece as well, you know, empty the dishwasher every morning and doing his lunch. If he doesn't prepare his lunch, then he doesn't have lunch. Mm. And I yeah. guarantee he won't do that too many days. And the dishwasher piece, you will have to put... I need you to do this. I, you know, I think you forgot to do the dishwasher. Look, if the dishwasher is not done by this time, I'm not going to be able to do whatever it is. There has to be a part of living together and cohabiting. But at 13, that's the job of the parenting at this stage. Yeah. It's to do those gentle yet firm nudges. It's about reestablishing boundaries, setting limits. It's his job, just as it was at two and three years old, to test those boundaries, to push and stretch those limits and to see, can he get away with it? Mm. But you know the way kids can be s total space cadets, like yeah. you know, go upstairs and put your clothes on and then, you know, 10 minutes later, they're staring out the window, Absolutely. you know, especially like when you've other things going on. And there's so much development going on in early adolescence, you know, a lot of impulses, a lot of desires. The brain is really wiring quickly for, you know, risk taking behavior and friendship formation is changing and rediscovering who I am as a person and, you know, trying out new tastes, new friends, finding my new position in the world as an adolescent. That's very consuming. Yeah. So, you know, we can come at this with empathy. So when I'm like, you know, hold a boundary, that doesn't mean with a sledgehammer. 
You yes. know, this is gentle yet firm. <laughs> and boundaries, by definition, are there as a safeguarding measure. You're about saying, you know, this is bendable. This can bend without breaking. We're going to be flexible in this because there will be times you go, do you know what? I can see you have a lot on. I can do the dishwasher today. Yeah, yeah. Every day doesn't have to be a battle. Everything doesn't have to be a battle. In fact, I would be very much saying pick your battles. Yeah, absolutely. And this should yield results by what, mid-twenties? Something like that. Give or take. Give or take. So, you know, nothing to worry about. (laughs) Yeah, simple. Yeah. I have a three and a half year old daughter who was in crash full time Monday to Friday. About six months ago, we thought we had successfully toilet trained her. After the first month, she was down to having no accidents during the days but still wearing pull-ups at night. However, in the last month, she's now having two or three accidents per day, especially when she's playing. It's as if she doesn't realise she has to go and then has an accident. Mm -hmm. At times, she just plays away. It doesn't even realise she has gone until we stop and question her why her pants are wet. I don't think it's anything medical and it's very frustrating for us and the creche to be constantly changing her clothes. We're planning to go back to basics and just bring her to the toilet a few times per hour and slowly extend the time. But obviously creche won't do this Monday to Friday. Would you recommend any other action for this to, uh, for us to take? I mean, she's three and a half as well. And so mm. I love this kind of we thought we had successfully potty trained her and it was day training in particular, not night training. And I do also really like that you've tracked that it is around playing that this is more likely to yeah. happen um, because that tends to be it, doesn't it? You know, it's what I'm so absorbed in my play and play at this age because she's coming out of stage one, messy sensory play into more projective narrative story, small world play, mm. the little characters. The, and then this happened and this and that rich imagination is really high at the moment. And there's so many pro-social skills she's learning through that. So th- from a play perspective, this is exactly where you'd want her to be and what you want her to be doing. But when you're that absorbed in your play experience, you can not hear rather than going, yeah, I really need to go. I'll just ignore that. It's not conscious, but just this is frankly way more interesting for yeah, me. So yeah. I'm not listening to my body cues and I'm missing the cue until I'm wet. And I think it's fascinating. She's not even picking up when she is wet. It's not bothering her. So I think what you're doing, go back to basics do this again as if it was the first time. And I understand everybody's frustration, but she's three and a half. So adult frustration is for adults to deal with. That's not the child's responsibility. Mm. So it is about going back to basics and reminding her, hitting play pauses with her and saying, we got to pause the play. It's time for the toilet and doing that with and for her until it does click in and doing the, um, you know, the little, you know, when you have to go to the toilet, stop and go right away song and just making it that you can check, tune into your body. Is there a toilet warning? No. OK, keep playing then. Oh, you missed the warning to try and get her to pick up on it as mm-hmm. well. But I think it's back to basics because we do see it three and a half changing play stage coming into that more independence as she's approaching four. We do see it when we have developmental progression. We often see it go hand in hand with a little developmental regression. Yes. OK. It's yeah. not unusual. Yeah. So. But a lot of patience, a lot of consistency and back to basics with it. Yeah, though, envy is probably the wrong word, but like we've had questions like this before and it's kind of relevant to to your book that you get that kind of state of flow that adults find so difficult to to, to achieve that, you know, you would wet yourself rather than Completely, because it is almost otherworldly at that age when they're playing. Like play is their language, it's Mm. their world. So they're completely submerged in it. And just try to imagine you're so engrossed in something, you shut out 
the outside world. Yeah. And so it does happen. Now, you, you're thinking, I don't think it's anything medical. When small children are acquiring potty training, UTIs are not uncommon because they don't wipe themselves properly. Yeah, they don't yeah. fully empty their bladders. I'm always someone who errs on the side of let's be certain it's not medical. Mm, so I yeah. would rule out a UTI first. Yeah. My four-year-old has a really potty mouth. He curses quite a bit. And to be fair, he probably picked it up from overhearing bold words from Daddy and me. His favourite is the F word and he's got a really good handle on how to use it to full effect. For example, yesterday he said, Mammy, those effing flies are back in the kitchen. And he used it loudly in the sandpit last week. Why won't this effing digger work? Much to the amusement of everyone in earshot. We've told him it's a bad word. We've stopped using bad language at home. We tried to ignore it in the hope he'd give up. But he's really hamming it up lately, making sure we hear him. We've tried the naughty step, but it's like he doesn't care about doing his time. It's getting embarrassing because the crash owner spoke to my husband yesterday and said we have to address it at home. What can we do? I well, I'm laughing at yes. doing his time. <laughs> doing his time. Tell <laughs> so the crash owner to F off. That's probably the best. <laughs> writing the lines on the wall, clapping up the minutes. I mean, he's young and the whatever you want to call it, naughty step, thinking step, timeout step, whatever, simmer down, chair, whatever language you want to use it's fairly futile at his age because mm. he does not self-regulate so he might happily sit there and go do to do to do yep nothing changes I also notice you're saying you know he's hamming it up and making sure you hear him because yeah. one of the things that small children learn very quickly is that swear- swearing garnishes some degree of response from adults one way or another laughter crosswords you know, some kind of mirth or say say it again so that you can send it to someone on a WhatsApp note. You know, initially you kind of find it funny and then you're like, no, it has to stop. It's the mixed message. Equally, the fact that he picked it up from you guys. And yes, you've self-corrected that yourself, but now you're trying to punish him for something he learned from you. That's a really confusing message for a four-year-old child. Also bear in mind that language, especially at this age, is a very sensual experience. It's how words feel in the mouth. Children tend to latch on to keywords and they say them out of context. They just say because they like the sound, they like the feel of them in their mouth. He may just really like this word. Yes. Okay. And that's that's going to be a bigger problem for you because if he really likes it, you need to replace it with another word. And I would be a little playful with this. I would give him alternative. Oh, that word hurts my ear. I can't hear you when you say that word. That Oh, no, that word's not a great, great word. Instead, tell him what to do instead. Fudge brownie. Um, you know, chocolate sauce or what is it? The bluey, the bluey family, you know, that cartoon say they mm. say cheese and crackers yes. all the time. And we all know what bandit means when he says cheese and crackers, crackers, but it's a safer way of saying it. So you can give him funny, playful words to replace these ones so he can still express frustration because he sounds like he's using it very contextually. Yes, he <laughs> Just is, to yeah. give him credit. But you can give him more playful words than that. He is, though. I mean, it sounds like that when he's out in public, he's he might be getting the laughs at home, but he's getting them from other For adults. Sure, so he even knows. a nervous laughter. And we've all been there. We've heard a small child swearing and it is a little funny. Yeah. You know, because it just doesn't match the, their youth and what children say. And especially when they say it in context. But definitely in the moment, just say, oh, not that word you meant and pause for him to pick up whatever word that you want to put in there. It can be celery. You can put any word you like in there, yeah. but put a different word in so he has a different way of expressing it and be really vigilant about your own use of the word because he is soaking all of that up. Ask your friends and family to do the same response as you when he says it. Yeah. 
<laughs> it might take a while too. Well, that's important as well because yeah. it probably will take a while. Yeah, yeah. My son is 10 and a quiet, sensitive boy. He's in a small rural school in a mixed year with both third and fifth class in with his fourth class. He works hard in school but isn't interested in PE, after school sports, gaming or scouts. And these are the activities most of the other boys care about. He's feeling isolated because he doesn't want to play with them. But he feels embarrassed if he hangs out with the girls doing art or drama, etc. He says he feels weird and not like other boys. And I tell him he's just himself and that's perfectly fine. But he doesn't believe me. I'm not into stereotypes and I've always railed against labels, but I'm wondering, is he gay? Should I worry about this at his age? I mean, I wouldn't worry about it at any age, to mm. be honest with you. And as no matter how old our children are, we should always hold a space for questioning, a space for exploration about all aspects of ourself and our identity. Now, it's really interesting here because he's in a really small school where you've got third, fourth and fifth class in one room. So there's lots of different age groups. So it yeah. can be hard for children to find their fit with peers when there's different developmental stuff going on all at once around them. So hold that in mind. There's also quite an over-gendered approach to activities here. These are boys' activities. These are girls' activities. In truth, they're just activities. And we're the ones, society who puts a gendered lens on that. There is absolutely no reason that the sports are, you know, boy-oriented or the drama art is girl-oriented. He should be encouraged to lean into what his passion is, what actually sparks joy for him and that you think about what and get him to think about what he wants to do rather than who he wants to do it with and around. It's kind of nuts if they're saying art and drama or they're just for the girls. Because that's new for me. I read that and kind of going, really? Because... Any art or drama class I'm around would have plenty of children of all genders would be in there and should be because activities are just activities. We have to challenge the gender lens on any type of play. It's it's universal. So I think an activity, finding like minded children, children who suit his rhythm and tempo and not getting too caught up in what kids are doing, but maybe reflecting to him as well that you have friends that you have things in common with, but you have friends that you have very different interests with, but you like them because they're good listeners. They make you laugh. They're fun to be around, even when you don't like the same things. So he knows that he can be friends with somebody who loves to play hurling or football, even if Mm. he doesn't, but he can still be their friend. Yeah, yeah. Though I suppose that's saying it to him, if around him he's, you know, he's in a class where it's a very gendered environment and the lads are all, you know, doing lads things, that uh, it's going to be difficult to do that. Yeah, and I think, you know, this I feel weird and he's very sensitive. Of course, the parental instinct is to you be you, you do you, you're fine as you are and we want to do that, but allow him space to talk about how he is feeling and what this sense of I feel weird, what does that mean to him? So you might come at that going, OK, well, I know what I would mean if I said I feel weird, but I'm curious What do you mean by it? Tell me the story of that weird feeling mm. and encourage him to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, the poor little fella. He's still yeah. so young, isn't he? He's still he? so young And as we well. do see this with classes that have all these different age groups in mm. the one class because it's also very challenging as as a teacher yeah, to be trying be. to manage three different age groups, three different curriculums and all of that. So you might just need to invest in a something outside yeah. of school that would give him that place to exhale and be himself. Thanks a million, Joanna, as ever. Joanna Fortune there. Joanna's new book is called Why We Play, How to Find Joy and Meaning in Everyday Life. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. After the break is an international chess player using his backside to cheat. (laughs) 
Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.